0: Hello, I'm Lina Rhumdou. Welcome to Health Chat. On the program today, we'll have an exclusive interview with Dr. John Nkengasong, Director of the African Center for Disease Control and Prevention. But first, health experts say people with chronic pre-existing conditions can develop complications when infected with COVID-19. Pre-existing conditions cover a wide range of diseases, among them hypertension, cancer, cardiovascular diseases, and diabetes. In a study published online by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, researchers found that COVID-19 infection is associated with worsening of diabetes symptoms. We start in Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo. The city has already recorded dozens of COVID-related deaths among people with diabetes, a concern for those living with the condition, as well as health personnel. A story by Zanem Neti Zaidi.
1: Nearly two years of pandemic isolation and illness have taken their toll, not only in deaths and lingering symptoms, but also in our heads.
2: Prior to the pandemic, there were around 1 in 10 adults reporting symptoms of anxiety and depressive disorder. And now our most recent research shows that around 3 in 10 adults are reporting these symptoms.
1: Working adults, the ones with the most responsibilities during the pandemic, seem to be the ones affected most.
3: We often refer to them as sort of a sandwich generation because they're stuck between um, children and teenagers and then their parents. And they're basically having to try to juggle working with caring for their parents who have more needs now because of their social isolation, as well as their children. And maybe they're, they're educating their children on and off at home and trying to manage their social lives.
1: But really, psychologists say the pandemic has affected everyone. An overwhelming majority of Americans have a close relative or friend who has either died of COVID or has had a very severe case. Many have lost their jobs. Children miss spending time with their peers, and teenagers are likely to miss out on their school proms. Divorce rates are up. Experts call all this collective trauma,
4: and one of the main reasons behind it is uncertainty. When the September 11th terrorist attacks occurred, or there is a hurricane, or there is a tornado, there is a date that it started and it stopped. And what people do in the aftermath is pick up the pieces, try to rebuild their lives, try to emotionally recover from the event. That is very, very different from what we're seeing here. We didn't have a clear start, we won't have a clear stop, and this is chronic stress. Experts say standard ways to fight anxiety don't
1: really work in this case. Advice that's often given to people feeling down, like meeting with friends more, traveling, visiting parents, and exploring new places, are simply not safe during the pandemic.
2: And, you know, how do you do that when the information that comes from the CDC or other informed individuals or regulatory bodies are like don't go to crowded places if you love music don't go to a concert don't go to the movies don't go to church or to synagogue because those are places where people congregate and they may be helpful in terms of you're dealing with all of what's going on with the pandemic but those resources aren't there psychologists themselves are experiencing the
1: same difficulties as everyone else. Trauma expert Professor Lisa Brown of Palo Alto University says she tries to connect with friends and loved ones as much as possible.
3: You know, this is the time to reach out to others You know, I've had a lot of friends from college that I haven't talked to in a long time call me and it really makes me feel excited and happy. I'm thrilled to death that they made that effort to call me. Let's, let's call each other. Let's stay in touch. Let's send each other a letter.
1: But experts say the trauma will not end suddenly, even if COVID-19 restrictions are lifted soon. They say for many people, it will take years to deal with the pandemic's psychological impact. Police Bukalietz in Washington, NRIS VOA News.
0: For more on diabetes, I spoke with Dr. Daniel Katambo Kinungu, expert in lifestyle prevention and management of non-communicable diseases in Tanzania.
5: Diabetes is a, is a condition that results from elevated blood sugar. Now, if your blood sugar is elevated because you lack insulin, that is type 1 diabetes, okay but if the condition occurs due to insulin not working properly and it's associated with the lifestyle that is uh, called type 2 diabetes if the condition or elevated sugars are first detected at pregnancy then that is gestational uh, diabetes if the condition could have been probably suffering from another medical condition and using drugs like the steroid uh, medications that can induce diabetes if the condition is associated with maybe excessive alcohol use which can result in something called pancreatitis then that is pancreatic induced diabetes If the condition is associated with maybe injury to the pancreas, that is trauma-associated type uh, diabetes. Everybody has the same chance of getting uh, COVID. Where the difference comes in is if you have diabetes and it is not controlled, and then you get COVID. This is where we tend to see more complications, and unfortunately, we see that association with uh, death. Regardless of what type of diabetes you have, the first treatment is usually lifestyle change. Type one is lack of insulin. So on top of lifestyle change, you need insulin. Now, when it comes to type two diabetes, we have known this condition to be uh, generally progressive, but now we can smile because we can put this condition into remission. If these patients adopt proper lifestyle change, well-guided by healthcare professionals who understand what remission is. They will stop taking medications and they will revert back to normal glucose uh, metabolism. If you look at the uh, IDF uh, International Diabetes Federation numbers, we have about 24 million Africans suffering from diabetes. In the next uh, 20 years or so, It's projected that that number will even go up by 134%. And remember, Africa as a continent, we haven't really faced out communicable diseases. So we will be having sort of like double effect. If we don't do something now, we may unfortunately see uh, a lot of burden especially when it comes to diabetes, hypertension, and obesity, and hence loss of lives.
0: That was Dr. Daniel Katambo Kiningu, expert in lifestyle prevention and management of noncommunicable diseases in Tanzania. After two years, the coronavirus pandemic seems to be taking a toll on Americans' mental health, with a growing number of people suffering from a wide array of issues, from anxiety to depression. Lesia Bacalet has the story narrated by Anna Rice.
1: Nearly two years of pandemic isolation and illness have taken their toll, not only in deaths and lingering symptoms, but also in our heads.
2: Prior to the pandemic, there were around 1 in 10 adults reporting symptoms of anxiety and depressive disorder. And now our most recent research shows that around 3 in 10 adults are reporting these symptoms.
1: Working adults, the ones with the most responsibilities during the pandemic, seem to be the ones affected most.
3: We often refer to them as sort of a sandwich generation because they're stuck between um, children and teenagers and then their parents. And they're basically having to try to juggle working with caring for their parents who have more needs now because of their social isolation, as well as their children, and maybe they're, they're educating their children on and off at home and trying to manage their social lives.
1: But really, psychologists say, the pandemic has affected everyone. An overwhelming majority of Americans have a close relative or friend who has either died of COVID or has had a very severe case. Many have lost their jobs. Children miss spending time with their peers, and teenagers are likely to miss out on their school proms. Divorce rates are up. Experts call all this collective trauma, and one of the main reasons
4: behind it is uncertainty. When the September 11th terrorist attacks occurred, or there is a hurricane, or there is a tornado, there is a date that it started and it stopped. And what people do in... The aftermath is pick up the pieces, try to rebuild their lives, try to emotionally recover from the event. That is very, very different from what we're seeing here. We didn't have a clear start. We won't have a clear stop. And this is chronic stress.
1: Experts say standard ways to fight anxiety don't really work in this case. Advice that's often given to people feeling down, like meeting with friends more, traveling, Visiting parents and exploring new places are simply not safe during the pandemic.
2: And, you know, how do you do that when the information that comes from the CDC or other informed individuals or regulatory bodies are like, don't go to crowded places. If you love music, don't go to a concert. Don't go to the movies. Don't go to church or to synagogue because those are places where people congregate and they may be helpful in terms of you're dealing with all of what's going on with the pandemic, but those resources aren't there.
1: Psychologists themselves are experiencing the same difficulties as everyone else. Trauma expert, Professor Lisa Brown of Palo Alto University says she tries to connect with friends and loved ones as much as possible.
3: You know this is the time to reach out to others you know I've had a lot of friends from college that I haven't talked to in a long time call me and it really makes me feel excited and happy I'm thrilled to death that they made that effort to call me let's let's call each other let's stay in touch let's send each other a letter but experts say
1: the trauma will not end suddenly even if COVID-19 restrictions are lifted soon they say for many people, it will take years to deal with the pandemic's psychological impact. For in Washington, N.R.I.S. News.
0: According to human rights groups, many children with disabilities are left out of the educational system in Kenya, and only 19% of those kids go on to secondary school. A police officer in Kenya is helping to keep children in school and share his love of music with children with disabilities by conducting a children's band. Justine Moulen-Kazandian
6: narrates. In Kenya, this isn't something you would typically see a police officer doing. Normally, they're in the news for things like corruption or stifling protests. But this officer is conducting a band for children with disabilities.
0: happy to see I have developed and have given children something extra to do. Uh, the only sad part of it, they cannot march and go and play music outside. In the future, we can try and see whether we can have some performances and play to other schools.
6: He says he's always loved music and even played the saxophone in the police band before he started teaching three years ago. It's an improvement
5: since he came. There's a lot of friendship. The learners are willing to talk to a policeman. The officer here, Mr. Saleh, he never wears uniform. Today he has put it on the uniform, but he normally comes in civilians. So whenever Lana see such an officer in civilian clothes, they are free to talk, they are free to interact
6: studies show that engaging children with music isn't just fun it can also help with language learning which affects literacy it can help improve motor skills and spatial reasoning which is one aspect of general intelligence related to some math skills and it contributes to overall mental well-being
0: you are listening to health chat on voice of america it is time for a short break don't go away we'll be right back
1: Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and a panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including a new round of peace talks aimed at ending Russia's invasion of Ukraine began in Turkey as Russia shelling continues throughout Ukraine, despite the Kremlin announcing new battle plans focused on the eastern region. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America.
7: Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa as we explore Russia's rising influence in the Sahel region. We'll talk to the Prime Minister of Cote d'Ivoire and introduce you to the new President and CEO of the U.S. African Development Foundation. All this and more on the next Straight Talk Africa this Wednesday at 18.30 UTC.
0: Welcome back to Chat. The African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has been at the forefront of the fight against COVID-19 in Africa. A specialized technical institution of the African Union, the African CDC was established to support public health initiatives of member states, among other things. At the recent African Union Heads of State Summit, a resolution was approved to elevate African CDC's status to an autonomous health agency of the African Union. In an exclusive interview, I spoke with Dr. John Nkengasong, the director of the Africa CDC, about the significance of the move and his assessment of the current state of COVID-19 in Africa. Take a listen.
8: I think it's a, a remarkable uh, advancement of uh, the mandate of Africa CDCs. It makes it an autonomous uh, health agency uh, for uh, responsible for health issues on the continent, so that is the equivalent of what WHO is to the United Nations, uh, which is uh, uh, really uh, a good thing for the continent because over the last uh, two years, uh, the political leadership of the continent, including the head of states, have actually uh, seen the value in having their own public health agency. And they have actually turned to the agency uh, about 18 times to get uh, advice on on the pandemic. So it is a natural evolution from a specialized institution to a very broad-based public health agency. It allows for operational, managerial, uh, and functional autonomy of the organization.
0: Let's talk about the coronavirus pandemic. Africa has recorded over 11 million cases of COVID-19, more than two years in the pandemic. How do you assess the situation currently?
8: Well, we are seeing a, a, a steady decline in the number of, of uh, new cases over the last uh, couple of weeks, which is good news. Most countries have now gone through the, the food wave, and some actually uh, have gone through the, the, the feed wave. But overall, we see that we, we peaked during the Omicron. And uh, as a continent, it has uh, actually uh, declined uh, significantly with almost 25% reduction over the last uh, couple of, of weeks. But it doesn't mean COVID is away. It has gone away. We have seen this scenario like four times where we see a peak and then we see a decrease and then we see another peak. My uh, advice to the continent is that use this period of low transmission to reinforce uh, uptake of vaccinations, uh, to reinforce that we have uh, uh, public health measures, uh, not necessarily lockdowns, but make sure that, uh, that you open up your, the, the society in a more careful manner, not, uh, to, in order not to bring back uh, a sharp rise in the number of cases.
0: Speaking of vaccine, vaccine inequity has been a problem uh, faced by the African region. Recently, in an interview, you spoke about asking that all COVID-19 vaccine donations for Africa be paused until the third or fourth quarter of this year. Uh, Can you elaborate on that? Is vaccine supply no longer a challenge uh, for the continent?
8: Uh, We are beginning to see a very steady uh, supply of vaccines. So the supply side is... Of the equation is good, uh, but the demand side of the equation is where we should be focusing a lot on. And uh, by the way, uh, what I referred to in that interview in Politico was that uh, we should more coordinate our donation efforts and then make sure that we sequence it over the three semesters and not to donate everything during the first quarter, and which will end up overwhelming countries to vaccinate as as well as leading to expiration of doses. The focus now truly should be uh, to support countries so that they can actually scale up uh, uh, uptake of vaccines. As we speak, only about 15% of the continent of Africa has received full doses of vaccine. That is uh, two uh, uh, shots of of the vaccines in case of uh, those who are receiving double doses there. So if the target is to get to 70%, and the continent is at 15%, and then that tells you that you have a long way to go to get to uh, that uh, end point by the end of this year. Uh, We need more partnership, Uh, we need to be more strategic in the way we donate the vaccines uh, on the continent. So
0: what else uh, do you see as primary challenges to tackle this pandemic effectively?
8: So there are a series of uh, areas that we need to focus on to get this pandemic under control in Africa. Uh, recognizing that, uh, yes, there's uh, a sense of optimism around the world that countries are uh, easing lockdowns, which uh, we all salute and congratulate because the vaccination levels in those countries is much elevated. And if you combine the levels of vaccination with natural immunity, it it suggests that uh, there's a substantial level of uh, population uh, antibody levels, uh, which is very good. However, in Africa, we have to look at how do we scale up vaccines, put more vaccines into arms. Second, how do we increase more testing? Because we have to continue to test and decentralize the testing and make sure that we move very deliberately towards self-testing so that people can test, get up in the morning and you feel that you have some symptoms. You poke that little thing in your nose or mouth and then you test, you say, ah, I have uh, uh, COVID, I'll stay home and protect myself so that I don't go to work and spread it or go out there in the community and spread it. And that is what I call democratizing uh, testing. We have to make sure that you have enough This the new molecules, the new drugs that are out there, are available in, the, uh, in countries. That way if we have a new wave and a new variant you can treat people in a way that yeah. don't overwhelm uh, the health uh, systems of the countries. Because of the lockdown, many Families And many people have spent a lot of time in, in isolation and that has created uh, more uh, or less uh, mental issues that we need to look into and create counseling centers that can alle- people can actually go to to seek medical advice. So those are the things that we must do simultaneously in 2022 if we have a chance of uh, turning the ties against COVID in this year.
0: Dr. Engelsung, as the head of the Africa CDC, what lessons have you learned?
8: Uh, we have learned that political leadership matters. That uh, because the the head of state uh, recognized very early on, under the very uh, able leadership of President Cyril Ramaphosa, who was the chair of the African Union at that time, and he helped to put it in focus and helped to put it on the uh, the agenda or the continental agenda. Second. Uh, lesson we've learned from this is you have to really understand the population that it's no one size fit all uh, you have to know your population well and know their behavior and then develop a response that is contextualized in in that uh, in that manner i think that is extremely uh, useful then last lesson i've learned is that africa is full of talents uh, technical talents because of this pandemic we were able to bring in all the talents across the board through what we established called the African uh, uh, Coronavirus Response uh, Task Team uh, to address um, the, uh, the, uh, the challenges, and it was very effective. And lastly is the partnership with the private sector. People like Strive Masiwa, uh, Dr. Vera Songwe from the UN uh, Commission for Africa, and the president of the Africa Exim Bank, uh, uh, Benedict Orama. were extraordinary. Those are my heroes because Working with them, we were able to establish several initiatives, including the African Vaccine Acquisition Task Team, which has secured about 400 million doses of vaccines.
0: One of the things that have been highlighted during this pandemic is the need to strengthen African capacities, African health system. Improving the continent's health system has been discussed by leaders for years, yet it seems that things are not moving fast enough. How can, be, how can this be done? And what are, in your opinion, the essential measures uh, to be implemented?
8: So as a continent, uh, Africa needs to embrace uh, the concept of health sovereignty, uh, or otherwise health security autonomy, uh, which means that uh, they have to look at four different key areas. One is to uh, promote the, the, uh, the manufacturing sector of what we call health uh, security commodities that is uh, the personal protective equipment, diagnostics, vaccines, and therapeutics. I think there's no country in the world that can guarantee the health security of its population without investing in those areas. So the key word there is, how does the continent invest in those areas? The second area is workforce. Uh, We have to look at workforce, not just in terms of uh, uh, responders, but also uh, young and talented Africans who can engage in research and development that will lead to innovation that can create vaccines, uh, uh, diagnostics, and, and, and therapeutics. I think it's very, very important. We can talk about technology transfer, but we should also be talking about technology creation okay, from Africa and even exporting it to the rest of the world. Thirdly, we need to look at strengthening institutions. So the bold measures that the head of states of Africa did during the summit by elevating Africa CDC to a, a, an autonomous health agency is part of that vision of strengthening national institutions. And lastly, domestic investment and partnership with the private sector is so important. If we do those four things as a continent, then the continent is positioned to actually begin to uh, drive its own health, sovereignty, and autonomy. We call that uh, Africa uh, requires a new public health order, a new public health order that will reimagine the way that uh, diseases are are fought on the continent.
0: Many people agree that COVID-19 has shifted the attention and resources away from other important issues. What other health emergencies currently need immediate attention?
8: We have uh, to recognize that uh, this pandemic, we are in the middle of a pandemic and that even during this pandemic, we have to deal with even, uh, other emerging infectious diseases like uh, Ebola. Uh, in North Kivu and Ebola in West Africa. So I think we should always be mindful that uh, the fact that we're dealing with uh, COVID-19 doesn't mean that other uh, uh, emerging diseases will not occur. We have large issues to deal with with respect to the occurrence of uh, resistance to antibiotics. We also have the endemic diseases that are ongoing, the, the HIVs, the TBs, the malaria. Uh, They are still there, and they are creating a lot of uh, uh, harm in the community. A combination of HIV, TB, and malaria kills about 1.2 million Africans a year. So we should never forget about that. And then, of course, the rising levels or frequency of of, uh, non-communicable diseases, the cardiovascular, the diabetes, and others, is so important that we should um, uh, continue to look at. So we call those uh, syndemics that uh, the continent of Africa must uh, develop partnerships with to uh, address these uh, syndemics. And uh,
0: finally, on a, personal, uh, on a personal note, as a leader, what keeps you up at night?
8: What keeps me up at night is essentially how we are going to bring this pandemic to an end. Without a uh, clarity of uh, action, the, plan, the pandemic will continue to have uh, an unpredictable and un- uncertain trajectory on the continent. And we don't want to see COVID-19 living side by side with HIV, TB, and malaria in Africa.
0: That was Dr. John Nkengasong, Director of the African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's all for this edition of Health Chat. For the latest news and coverage on the coronavirus pandemic, visit voenews.com. Thank you all for joining us, and special thanks to all our affiliate stations throughout Africa for carrying Health Chat. I'm your host, Linoch Mudu, in Washington, with producer Dan Brown. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and strive to make every day a healthy day.
9: Join host Larry London,
8: Larry London,
9: on Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour, Whoa. every weekday at fifteen hundred Universal. <laughs> Tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists, win prizes and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Ooh. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London. Twitter at Border Crossings or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA or call 202 619 2077 and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal only on the Voice of America.
7: OA Africa has built a successful, effective social media strategy through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and other digital platforms. We are responding to our audience on the African continent and in the global diaspora. We believe in the power of connection and interaction to bring you news that is comprehensive, accurate and objective. We see the changes in technology as an opportunity to engage with our audiences about the issues that affect them. At VOA Africa, we don't just report the news, we help shape the conversation on the continent.